0: If Morrie supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts.
1: Blah blah blah. The blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. And the blah blah blah. Good vibes. The blah blah Good vibes. And the blah blah blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths
2: of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that.
3: To a certain point, there will be no repercussions if you do say, hey, raise my hand. I need to take a knee because I'm stressed. I'm tired. I need to step back for a second and get myself together.
2: Right,
0: right. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Courtney Cottrell a little bit later about her book, Unapologetically Favored and Leadership. And failure and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Uh, Before we get there, though, we're going to have a nice little intro here. And uh, we got everybody's favorite podcaster, everybody's favorite interviewer, uh, uh, Unapologetically Graham Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? I'm pretty good. Unapologetically Graham. Yeah, Yeah, good. How you doing? Unapologetically Graham. Good. Cold as Fuck. This is a problem.
2: Yeah, this is a fun chat with Courtney. Little a little out of our wheelhouse, but it was good. A lot about leadership and and empowering people and challenges of being a a lesbian in the military. A black lesbian in the military. Black lesbian you know, she in was, the military. She was great though. I mean, oh yeah, you know, she was she's a blast. Promoted and all oh, she's like the book was really good actually. It was very good. I was tearing up in a couple spots.
0: You're always tearing up. Yeah. yeah. No teary eyed gram. Yeah. Unapologetic. Unapologetically teary-eyed. That was a fun chat. No, I've been good. Cold. Yeah, this is a cold snap. It's
2: a a little bit colder than normal. Normal cold snap. We got like a week or two of cold in Calgary. This is this is last year. We got
0: three bursts of it.
2: Yeah, but it wasn't that this bad. This is bad. Like this is everybody's. You know, this is
0: affecting
2: vehicles and people can't.
0: My truck barely started. People
2: aren't going to work. Schools are closed. Like it's it's getting that bad.
0: Schools closed. Well, I just think that's a sign of us slowly getting too soft for Mother Nature. I mean, that's a sign when we can't even go to school because it's minus thirty. yeah. What are we going to do when there's no power for two weeks? Die. Yeah. What are we going to
2: do when it gets into the little ice age here? We're gonna going mean, back into the ice age. It's
0: brutal. It's getting, it's getting colder. colder. It's cold. It is yeah. fucking cold. They're saying it's the coldest in twenty or sixteen years. The coldest day on record in sixteen years. Wow. Or something along those lines.
2: Wow. Yeah, it was.
0: Might have been this day. Cold as this day.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what's weird is it doesn't even warm up during the day. Like, being in Vancouver.
0: It warmed up to, like, minus 29 It's cold in the
2: morning. It warms up, right? Yesterday, it was getting colder. Like, the day would get, it would start at minus 28 in the morning and then get to minus 30 by the.
0: Warmed up to minus 29 today. That was nice. Yep. And then it went back down. I think now it's down around 33 or something. Yeah,
2: it's all, it'll end soon. It'll be up above zero uh, next, next week, week. You know, early next week, Monday, Sunday, Monday, it already gets really warm. It'll, you know, increase by 30 degrees right off the bat. Extreme
0: cold warning. Yeah. Feels like minus Don't, 39. For who? For you.
2: No, no, for me, it feels like minus 29.
0: That's what it actually is.
2: Min- minus 19 then.
0: Also feels warmer for you.
2: Well, what if you do your Wim Hof breathing before you go out? I don't
0: know. It's right? been fucking cold, not working for me, I, Wim Hof, and I tried that. You haven't even
2: tried it. You didn't try it.
0: Did I you? tried when I was sitting on that crane, not moving in that cold, cold-ass mall. Tried Wim Hof, and it didn't work. I need to practice more, I suppose. Anyway, it's cold. I'm sick of it. Luckily, I'll be going down to Texas for a little weekend getaway.
2: All right. stay hi to the snake bros.
0: I'm going to go stay with the snake bros. Mrs. Snake Bro was uh, tweeted today to see what kind of food I like to eat while I'm there. Because apparently they're quite good cooks.
2: Do they tweet in public? Like the public Yeah, this is just boom,
0: yeah, public. Oh, my God. I was like, you make me something Texas, and I'll eat whatever the fuck. Crawfish. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I will be in the 10 by 10 by 10 tangent cube of science. What is
2: that, the studio? That's
0: what they call their studio. Yes. So it would be a little grammar on yeah. the road.
2: No, we're in the igloo. It's going to be from the igloo to the...
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be like sign. a 60 degree temperature swing. Celsius. Yeah. What's yeah. 60 Celsius in Fahrenheit would be like?
2: 90. Or no. The no, it would
0: be 90. like 150. Like a 150 degree Fahrenheit temperature swing.
2: No, you're off.
0: Something's wrong. What's like a rough calculation is times...
2: Yeah, I know, times 2 plus 32,
0: right? Mm-hmm. So sixty-one twenty called call 100 plus, 30. so it's like 132 degree temperature swing.
2: No, it can't be though, dude. You're, you're, you're not doing it properly because you can't just say 60 degrees and then do that multiply. Hey
0: Siri, what's 60 degrees no, no, Celsius
2: 60, and Fahrenheit? No, that's not the way you do it. 60 degrees Celsius is
1: 140 degrees Fahrenheit.
2: Yeah, but that's not the temperature swing. It doesn't even get to 140. You can't do it that way. That it's not a 140 and it's not 100
0: and, No, it's going to be like it's not 100 today, in Texas. It was from -40 to
2: +22. Yeah, but that's 60 degrees Celsius already. So yeah. you can't just go
0: so what it's is 140 that in 40 Fahrenheit?
2: Fahrenheit? No, I don't think that works like I don't that.
0: think it is like that, no, because <laughs> because you're right. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> you okay? i you having a heart I'm attack?
2: I'm dizzy. <laughs> I,
0: I have my uh, CPR, so... Should we get a defib in here? Do we have to... Could I get sued if you had a heart attack? Because the business doesn't have a defib? I don't think so. I just burned this fucker down anyway and disappeared <laughs> in <into> the night. <laughs> Go to the snake bros. Yeah. Arrive in Texas a week early. Yeah. Oh. Oh. What was I checking? The Fahrenheit and
2: Celsius thing. You're way
0: <laughs> well, off. 22 is... Is basically seventy three. We'll call it seventy three. So what's minus it's minus like 40, forty is minus forty. Yeah. So so it's 110. No, it's
2: forty. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's just, it's just too much. <laughs> what What is the temperature in Celsius the there? Plus twenty two. Okay, twenty
0: two.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: To minus thirty seven, or forty, or whatever the fuck yeah. it is here feels yeah. like. Because we're not counting the feels yeah. like.
2: No, you can't count that can't count that. Everybody counts it now,
0: though. It's not fair. Well, yeah, everyone counts it. Because it's a thing. You say it's not a thing. Everyone it's a doesn't. thing.
2: It's just a subjective thing. Tell Wim Hof it feels like minus 39 out there. You're mm. laughing in your face. He you does not even feel the cold.
0: Did you see the <laughs> meme that's like, it's Wim Hof, and he's like, uh, Chuck Norris? Never heard of her.
2: <laughs> yeah, I like that.
0: Anyway, what do you got?
2: Well, what were you what was the jingle about? Is that a new jingle?
0: Or? No, that's just the regular old that's Are you old, going to the chats or something? That's the old leopardy you... jingle.
2: Oh, that's right.
0: Let's go to I'm playing with the new jingle board. This is the first time using it. It was like 70 bucks. Okay, let's go with. I don't have a what was I gonna do? I was gonna do uh
2: a chat thing, or we have a PO box. We have a gift from the PO box to open. I've got a new segment to talk about.
0: A new I'm segment to kick
2: it off. Yep. Yeah. We don't have any jingles yet for it, but we're open to receiving some. Must be it. Pretty be pretty easy to make a jingle for this segment.
0: You think so? Yeah. Have you ever made a jingle? Uh, nope. All right. Let's start with this.
1: Get out of. And paper, and write this down, or a pencil. Why don't you send some physical mail to the America Show at P. O. Box 16033. Next line. Uh-huh. 100-815, comma 17th Avenue S. W. Next line. Uh-huh. Calgary, Alberta. Next line. Uh-huh. Canada. Next line, T2T, space, 5H7, that's the video box. Why don't you send Aaron some dirty socks, because he's got a dirty sock fetish.
0: Why so, I'll start with this. Gold. Okay. I have the note from the uh, the nice batch of Morrissey. I was sent from our buddy Dave B out on Vancouver Island. Dear Gramerica, love the show. Loved the Dick Con episode. Started microdosing for PTSD, thanks to you guys. Just a quick shout out to the Chippewa and Ojibwe of Northern Ontario. Of course, yours truly is one of said Ojibwe from North Northern Ontario. Pow, and I have been enjoying some of that lovely Morris Sativa. What do we got here? This is from uh, Meltwater Pulse One B. Dear Darren and Graham. I am pleased to have finally gotten off my ass to support the show. Please find and close some Chinese poetry for Graham and some not very valuable gold. For Darren, a book of fables to share with his kids, some ganja that I grew myself, oh, nice, and a pair of quite new wool blend socks. Also, there are some treasures from the Pacific Ocean to clutter up the studio and some really tasty 1971 live Grateful Dead. As I don't use banks... I am sending you cash instead of supporting online. The Skrill is in the card with the California poppy. You should have, you should find 108 bucks, 100 in American Fetty that you can use for gas at CAC, and eight old Soviet, yes, and eight old Soviet rubles in honor of the boys in the chats who called me a commie because I am from California. (laughs) You know what? I just finished reading the brothers.
2: Kamazov or whatever?
0: Karamazov, where they're talking about rubles all the time. So I love the fact that we'll have some rubles in here. Um, I hope this is sufficient for black budget access and my name in green on the Discord. You got it, buddy. Good time to get in the black budget too. F word just finished in there. Manifesto's in there. Wow, yeah, good. Thanks for all the hard work and love that you put into the show. I hope that one day enough of us will support... For you to quit your day jobs and research, entertain, slash educate us full-time. Good vibes from Redwood Country. Mount Walter Pulse 1B. All right, let's
2: pile into our bag of goodies. And just so you Open know, that. I do have a, uh, I do have a, uh, a follow-up to the synchro I read from the
0: chats as well. Is there nothing in there?
2: I think it's just packing.
0: That's probably the gun in there, then.
2: Ooh, nice. A couple mount A uh, Cold cold Mountain and Aesop's Fables. Grateful Dead.
0: A grateful Dead, a double disc. Look at how colorful yeah, this it is. is.
2: That's not going to be open tonight. We'll open that some other time. It's going to be really hard to get that tin open.
0: Well, Ooh, thanks. It's a quadruple <laughs> disc.
2: Everybody can find that uh, PO box in 16033, <clears throat> and it's uh, at
0: grandamerica.ch slash contact. slash contact. also in the show notes as well on every episode. I can smell it right through the tin. Yeah. That's the smell mm. of a good ganja. Yeah. And what else do we got here? Oh, there's a bunch of trinkets in there too, though. Nice. For and the studio. Well, we'll open up some other time. So we can't. Ooh, get another one there. with a uh, hundred poems. Nice. So i you will know, randomly open it. Actually, you know what? Let's go with number forty-two. Oh, look at this! This one's circled. Should I go with it? I was heading for forty-two, but this one was circled. What do you choose? Choose uh, the
2: one that was circled.
0: Forty-four. Story on story of wonderful hills and streams. Their blue-green haze, locked in clouds. Mister Brush my thin cap with moisture. Mists brush my thin cap with moisture. Dew wets my coat of plaited straw. On my feet, I wear pilgrim sandals. My hand holds a stick of old rattan. Though I look down again on the dusty world, what is this land of dreams to me? <laughs> nice. And then we have this uh, Aesop book, Five Centuries of Illustrated Fables. This is a great little book to read with the kids. Yeah. Some of them are probably still a little scary. Mm, excellent. Be good for them.
2: Be good for them. Maybe, when they, maybe when they get uh, back home from taking the day off school because it's too cold.
0: Well, I don't even know. I'll see if they have school tomorrow.
2: They won't. It's not getting any warmer tomorrow.
0: Doesn't look like it, does it? Mm. somebody here? Yeah. That's strange. Oh, ooh. Ooh, that's what rubles look like.
2: Thanks for the rubles.
0: Cool. Who do you suppose is here? Michael? 1961. That's cool nice. shit. Thanks. And a greenback, is that what you call that? Anyway, thank you very much, sirs. We love it. Uh, well, will display the trinkets proudly. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to go to next? I, I want to
2: read, it, do the synchro jingle because I want to just do a little um, sequel, part two to this one from the chats.
1: I'm a rambling grand with synchronicities all over the web, and Aaron is skeptical about everyone. And don't
2: believe it yet. So, do you remember that one I read from uh, Pasca Pokuri about uh, his wife had left him and he was a uh,
0: poopslinger slinger?
2: And he ended up finding this woman that knew his wife and actually had some of uh, his ex wife had some of her clothes because she was the one that was uh, in stories as crazy Becky who got shit faced and stripped a lot. I forgot
0: about that? Uh, Yeah. I remember crazy Becky. Yeah.
2: So I didn't catch this. Oh geez. Was this a while ago? Yeah. Oh, it was on the scene. I didn't even catch the second. So at one point, <clears throat> this is the second part to it. Talking of parties where we would have met, she pulled up a picture. The only picture she pulled up from a bonfire on October 10th, 2011. I was fucking there. Early on, I walked off with a girl who became my wife to smoke some bowls and get snacks from the grocery store and never went back to the fire. We ended up hooking up and set my life I now have in motion. TLDR. <clears throat> TLDR, what's that? First, uh, I think it's too long, don't read or something like that, or too long, didn't read, or too long.
0: Okay. I don't know what that means either. I'll one check.
2: of the first people I meet after divorce from almost an eight-year relationship shows me a photo of what turned out to be an extremely important moment in my life. Used as an anniversary by us for years. He says also met a medium later on in the afternoon took a few hours of mental health work talk and divorce talk to bring the medium talk out. Wow. That's crazy. Thanks for sharing that with us, poopslinger. Check out the chats. there's a lot of there's a bunch of channels in the chats slash chats or go to the show notes. This is from the Synchro channel, but there's also like chip reports and UFO stuff in there, spiritual science. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. It's fantastic. <clears throat> and there's also Congress, which is where everybody just chit chats, the main channel. And you can get a hold of Darren and I in there usually as well.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's if you want to track us down, that would be the place to go, 100%. But I
2: also have an email, Graham at grammarica.com, for stories and synchros and feedback and all kinds of stuff.
0: For spamming, gramming. Snap <laughs> on on
1: by. Stop on by, on on on
0: the chats, okay. Let's go. I'm gonna go to a random chat room here. Okay. Let's see what we got. I'll stay away from
2: the. Yeah, I was just in the synchro one there. So. I'll
0: stay away. Let's go to trip report one. Hmm. There's no actual trip reports in here. It's just a bunch of people <laughs> yapping. Yeah. Like... <laughs> this is a problem with yeah, the chat.
2: You got to You got to set it up first. Let's Let's move on to my new segment. I'll talk about that.
0: How about politics?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, mm-hmm.
0: just a bunch of links. Okay, you yeah. Go keep ahead.
2: the politics in the politics channel too.
0: What it kind of gets what kind of link sense. can I? What kind of jingle can I use for your new segment?
2: Like, um, like deep state, scary, secret, like whispering. Ooh, here we go. Of like...
1: Put on your conspiracy hat. No no no.
2: no, 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 <laughs> not even close. No, that should be for you in, in Texas when you go down there.
0: <laughs> no good I guess good. No,
2: no, And no. now another edition of The crime.
0: American Goodies By the people Was it a rant? Oh, we call it a rant?
2: No, 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 not at all That's good, that's fine we'll, you we, have some we'll good, come up, we have
0: a rant jingle That's okay That never that's get get to good, that's
2: play. So as you know, I've been keeping track Just keeping a list of projects and operations Secret projects and operations And it's kind of appropriate that, you know Courtney Cottrell is in the in the military and she's talked about this and this is a, the kickoff to the new segment. We were going to do black budgets on this. I was always been telling Darren over the last years I want to read I want to read out these projects or talk about these secret projects.
0: Mm-hmm. So oh the, the going to be well, it going to be like be, project, name, yeah. operation, operation, Oper- project
2: operation operation project
0: operation project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've that got a long like a, list. It sounds like a board game.
2: I've got a long list of them. So I'm going to kick it off uh, tonight. Some of them are going to be pretty. And this one ends up being very appropriate to the timing. So it's Operation Merlin.
0: I'm going to put these wool socks on right now.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cold. My eh?
0: feet are cold.
2: They're dirty though. Somebody send you really dirty socks in in the PO box. Uh,
0: They could probably use a wash. I'm not going to lie.
2: This is a fairly recent one. Operation Merlin was a United States covert operation under the Clinton administration, to provide Iran with a flawed design for a component of a nuclear weapon, nuclear. ostensibly nuclear. You got to I can't. I can't pronounce it properly.
0: Nuclear. I know. Nuclear? I was, it's funny because I was actually doing the audiobook last night.
2: I do I can't. I can't. fucking like ten times.
0: You're there like over and over. You're like nuclear, <laughs> <laughs> nuclear, 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 nuclear.
2: Nuclear, right? It took you about three minutes, but you got it. Nuclear? Nuclear. Nuclear. So to provide Iran with a flawed design for a component of a nuclear weapon, ostensibly in order to delay the arranged, the alleged Iranian nuclear weapons program or to frame Iran. In his book, State of War, author and intelligence correspondent for the New York Times, James Risen, relates that the CIA chose a defected Russian nuclear scientist to provide deliberately flawed nuclear warhead blueprints to Iranian officials in February 2000. According to the CIA documents, the search for a suitable Russian émigré with an engineering background in nuclear physics and production began in September 96. The Russian émigré selected was the first contacted by the CIA in August 94, after receiving a monthly salary of 5,000 US plus travel expenses in 97 and 98, which was raised to 6,000 in 99, the weapon component selected was based on the Russian TBA 480 fire set. That's a high voltage automatic block, which was modified in an attempt to make it fatally flawed. The CIA estimated the TBA 480 fire set, which had been developed at Arzama's 16 was 20 years more advanced than anything required to get a first-generation nuclear weapon operational. After the delivery of the designs to Iran on March 3rd, 2000, the CIA extended the employment of the Russian emigre to at least March 2003 with the intention of co- conveying the flawed plans to another country suspected of interest in developing nuclear weapons. Anyways, uh, Risen wrote this book that President Clinton had approved the operation that Bush administration later endorsed the plan. Earlier publications of details of Operation Merlin by the New York Times in 2003 was prevented by the intervention of National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice with the New York Times. So the backfire portion of this, Operation Merlin backfired when the CIA's Russian Contact Messenger noticed flaws in the schematics and told the Iranian nuclear scientist. Instead of crippling Iran's nuclear program, the book alleges Operation Merlin may have accelerated it by providing useful information. Once the flaws were identified, the plans could be compared with other sources, such as those presumed to have been provided by the Iranians by A.Q. Khan.
0: Huh. A come.: oh, Wow. In late
2: 2010, indictment of a former CIA officer. In, in, in late 2010, former CIA officer Jeffrey Alexander Sterling was indicted for allegedly being the source of some of the information in Risen's book and was convicted of espionage in January 2015.
0: He, espionage? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was convicted and sentenced to three and a half years in prison. Oh, there you have it. So there that's the first uh, first one, Operation Merlin. Fairly recent one.
0: Operation Merlin, Squirrel and Merlin. There you have it. Let's go with uh what do we got?
1: Bingo bingo social media jingo don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cry America Newsletter. Bingo, bingo, social media
0: jingles. Okay, we'll go to Facebook page first from Cat Carroll. Thank you, Graham, for your beautiful voice reading a CE5 handbook. What?
2: No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: 100%. Thank you. Uh, ah, Baba Skip all that. Skip all that. There we go. You had five minutes of fame. What message would you share? Bradley Knight. Death is perfectly safe. Fear nothing. Fear nothing. Live free. Die hard. A Christmas movie reference <laughs> and a badass die Ramdas quote. quote. Uh, from Brandy Bledsoe. Monthly supporter. Always sends in her... Kicks in her 20 bucks a month.
2: Fantastic. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you so much, Brandy. She's also a top fan on the Facebook page.
2: Wow, that's fantastic.
0: I don't have an answer for this, but thank you for the contemplation. I'll see what the forest has to say when I take my dog for a walk later. From Lewis Proud. I would use my five minutes of fame to argue that I deserve an additional 10 minutes of fame. (laughs) From Aaron Archer. Lynch every single politician there is and do away with the government. Ooh. From Lance Lefebvre, push political reform. Top fan Joseph Sim do a massive bong rip. Wave, leave the stage. Justin Edelman, listen to Grimerica. Matt H and the Fed. Nikki Killen, shh, you you can shove your granny off a bus. Drew Burleson, Bud's legal. Fuck you. Well, I'm not gonna say all that. <laughs> that was close. Almost got me. I'll go to the YouTubes quick too, just because it's always fun Where to Where was see that, what, Facebook? That was, oh, was Facebook, like, yeah. yeah. We'll go to the YouTubes comments. Ah, fascinating. Talk with Michael Freely. I admire you, thanks. Uh, number 139, Grimerica Talks Cancel Killing Cannabis Oil with Rick Simpson.
2: Ooh, that was an old
0: one. From Acid Bath 32, full spectrum oils and cannabis actually coat your brain cells and perform the neurotoxicity, and protect from the neurotoxicity of other chemicals in the environment and other drugs you might be taking. Wow. Uh, On Joseph Early, on Chris Knowles, I absolutely love Chris Knowles and have bought his new book, but I'm consistently a little baffled by his friendships with people like Gordon White, who we're also friends with. Uh, appearing on his show and whatnot while also expressing his thoughts about staying away from magic at the end of this show. He is so against magic, why is he good friends with such popular chaos magicians and appearing on shows all about magic?
2: Well, because he's talking about his personal practice. He can talk about it and I'm sure he's super interested about it. He's very knowledgeable about it. Right? There's a difference between that and sitting down and Performing or practicing,
0: right? Yeah, true. Yeah. We'll go to the vaccine debate show, which is still popping off every once in a while. I'm surprised that's still around, actually. Uh, from Josh Rowe, So I'm a proud father of three unvaxxed kids. I've been watching this debate for many years as my rights here in California have eroded as my kids hit school age. Joy. And I have to say that the truth is starting to spread in a really great way. Comments on videos regarding vaccines are less and less pro-vaccine and more and more pro-informed consent, a.k.a. anti-vax. It's quite startling and highly encouraging. And uh, another one here. So this is on number 293 with C.S. Joseph. Wow, Chris blew my mind. I relate to Darren, I think. I didn't catch what type he is, especially when he was talking about learning with tools and stuff. What is versus what if. My philosophy with learning has always been trial and error. Even if I think trying it a certain way will have a bad outcome, I will still try it and almost always learn something from it. A friend just introduced me to you guys today, and I'm already four, four hours deep. Love you guys. Shout out to Sophie. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah, a Yeah, that's good. Here we go. If Brian says it's spicy, then it's spicy. <laughs> <laughs> spicy is Frank Herbert's dune. The spice that extends life and enables space travel. Thanks
2: for the comments, everybody. Appreciate it.
0: Bingo, bango.
2: I got one quote here. You want to do a quick quote, Jingle, or do we have to?
0: Oh, no, well, it's not the not UFO that one. There's so many quotes now. Now, there is a jingle, just keep, bear with me. I'm still, I'm still. Oh, by the um,
2: way, if, if people do have projects and operations that they want to talk about on the show, send me uh, send me a list.
0: Object. I'm, project I've operations. i am been accumulating
2: one, yeah. There's quite a few already. Okay. I'm probably, I'm probably good for a year of this segment.
1: It's the profound quote of the
2: we. I'd like to know, you might be able to guess this one there. Oh, you forgot to update the picture every time. (laughs) Okay. Who said this? It's very appropriate to uh, what's going on now, although it's probably from a while ago. But I happen to believe that Henry Kissinger was one of the most destructive secretaries of state in the modern history of this country. I am proud to say that Henry Kissinger is not my friend. I will not take advice from Henry Kissinger. And in fact... Kissinger's actions in Cambodia, when the United States bombed that country, overthrew Prince Sehanouk, created the instability for Pol Pot and the Kamar Rouge to come in, who then butchered some 3 million is- innocent people, was one of the worst genocides in the history of the world. So count me in as somebody who will not be listening to Henry Kissinger.
0: Yeah, fuck Henry Kissinger. I'll agree with that. You know, I'm not too much to say fuck too many people, but that guy is not a good person. He's messed it up for a while.
2: I'll give you a hint if you can't guess it. Give me a hint. He's in the current political climate. Ron Paul. No. (laughs) No, like more prevalent. Donald Trump. No. Get close. Getting warmer.
0: Bill Clinton. No. George Bush. No, he's running for
2: president. Those people are all friends with Henry. What are Andrew you doing, Yang. naming all them clothes? Been around a little longer.
0: Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> are you going to wear this flower bandana? No, oh, thanks. <clears throat> I can pull it off. Probably. A little small.
2: Ah. That's not good for radio. Oh, yeah, you're going to... Crap on your head now.
0: What kind of crap? Whatever was in was, that, yeah. whatever meltwater poisoned us with. He's like, "Fuck you all, right, <laughs> bastards." Nobody's all
2: right around here, Darren.
0: No, I like this little rock.
2: All right, we should end this thing because I mean, it's not good radio. Just looking at if things. That's so. not
0: a evidence for molten something or something, you know. Okay. Uh, well, we got to get back for money.
2: Oh yeah, right. Yeah, well, so we do course, need to keep the lights on, Gra- keep
0: the heat on. Keep the heat on. It's cold as a motherfucker. The heat is on full, and it's still cold in here. Heat's on full, still cold. Granmerco.ca/slash/support. Uh, help us keep things chugging along. If you don't mind, we love you. We love you for it. We honestly can't do this without you. The support rate has slowed down over the last few months. We could, <clears throat> we could use a bunch of new monthlies. Pick up the people that drop off here and there. Of course, yeah. it doesn't hurt to check your subscription once in a while.
2: Yeah, cancel the cable and sign up to all your favorite podcasts. That's right,
0: grandamerica.ca support. If you can today, when you can, do a one-time donation. Sign up for a monthly on Stripe, Patreon, or PayPal, and we will love you for it. Of course, you get access to the Black Budget, which has got a couple books that we narrated in there. Um, F-word, understanding the F-word. American Very fascism yeah. is a great word. Dave, Dave McGowan's book, which will be on sale on audible right away as well. I sent all that over to her last week. Awesome. We've also got, um, uh, what was the one I did the that manifesto. you just did again? Manifesto. Uh, the manifesto, the Unabomber manifesto, industrial society and its future. Of course, it's in the black budget and four episodes. And there's a bunch of other stuff in there as well. It looks like we'll be dumping some more content in there right away. So sign up, you get access to that black budget you get some special colors in the chats, Grammarker.ca slash chats to get over there today. Grammarker.ca slash support to support the show. Of course, <clears throat> contact at the cabin.com. As I record this today, we did have someone back out of a, a uh, pullout spot for $450 that is available right now for the David Matheson event. Uh, it's up for resale for the David Matheson event. In April 16th to 19th, which we are circling around now and get ready to pull the trigger on. It's going to be a fantastic time. And there is only 10 spots left for the event in September, September 21st to 26th, which is contact at the cabin.com slash Carlson. If you go to contact at the cabin.com, you'll see the link for this gab lands up in the top right yeah, corner. Yeah, there's
2: events or something like yeah. that. Or yeah, so.
0: So Check head over to out. there. There's 10 spots left. As I record this, I don't expect them to last more than a couple weeks. Interest is high. That event will be sold out, and uh, it doesn't look like we have the ability to add any more events. So hammer that home when you can. America.ca support. Contact at the cabin.com, All that beautiful stuff. Really, you do need to uh, sign up for monthly. If you are getting some value from the show, we're creeping up. We're like two episodes away from 400 episodes for free.
2: Oh, we might do a call-in show. 400 interviews like for free. Just with us. Right?
0: Yeah. Well, I want to make sure, before I start announcing that, I just want to make sure that that phone's working. Okay, yep, yep. So by next next week, we'll be able to announce that, start announcing that. I'll make sure that works. We'll be good to go. So that's not a total train wreck like the Fandango turned out to be. Mind you, we no, could do no, it, it on fun. speaker more handily and when it's just us and we don't have people on Skype. Yeah, that third thing is what I have to figure out which I think I have the power to do now that we got your phone with the jack in it we'll try that out we have 400 shows in the back catalog 400 interviews all for free Uh, maybe you found a little value in those if you did maybe it's worth uh, you know the thousand hours or more that each of us have committed just recording to make all that available And that doesn't include all the the behind-the-scenes hours that it takes to make all this shit happen. America.ca slash support. If you're finding some value in the show, send a little value back our way. Speaking of value, we got a fantastic chat here with Courtney Cottrell coming up. You got anything else?
2: That's about it. Thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. We love you guys. Stay warm wherever you're at. Enjoy the chat.
2: Got Courtney Cottrell with us tonight. She's the author of Unapologetically Favored. She's been in the U.S. Navy for 20 years, working her way up through there. And it's a great book about, I don't know, challenges, leadership, personal growth, all kinds of stuff. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a good chat. Thanks for joining us, Courtney.
3: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, it was a good book. Like I said, it was uh, very interesting. Got pretty emotional at times for me, but it was good.
3: Yeah. And not alone. I've, I've had that feedback a couple of times from different people. They cry it's like a roller coaster of emotions.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. My favorite part was the, but uh, we'll talk about it later. But was the chief cell, uh getting up while you were getting that award? That was pretty. I had yes. like shivers and it was just. It was like I was right there watching it happen. It's pretty cool.
3: Yes, it was. It was emotional because it was so unexpected. You know, just going through everything and thinking I'm gonna get an award for the from the senior person that was there, and he kind of brushed me off and. I was just like, well, dog, you know, he doesn't want to give me an award. I'm like, why am I here? Yeah. But then one by one, people are popping up, just popping up. And I was, I was overwhelmed. I was really overwhelmed with that. I loved it.
2: That's great. So maybe we should start with, with why, I think just talking about why you wanted to write a book, maybe would kind of summarize the the thing. And then we can kind of get into some of the, the details a little bit about your journey. Okay.
3: So never in a thousand years did I ever want to write a book. Nobody ever really wants to write a book unless that's something that you kind of go to school for. My book happened just um, having good friends. So I made a post in 2018 around Veterans Day saying, you know, that in, people in the military, no matter what branch you're in, we're tired, tired, missing deploy- or missing birthdays and graduations and weddings and funerals and, you know, kids growing up and selling anniversaries with your spouses, whatever we're tired, the political game that people kind of use us for, it it gets very frustrating because people believe everything they hear and see about the military when they don't really understand what goes on behind closed doors or what goes on behind the uniform. So originally, I wanted short stories from military service members, no matter what branch, about a, a personal struggle that they went through that they adored and how they were able to overcome that and still continue on serving with, you know, and trying not to let that affect them. And I also wanted to have short stories from the spouses because a lot of the times the spouses get left behind. They, we forget that they go from a two-parent household to a one-parent household having three, four, five, and even in some cases even 10 children. They're trying to maintain a schedule, maintain a career, maintain the home and the bills and Everything. And sometimes the the spouses get forgotten. So I made this post and I put it on Facebook. It was extra long. Didn't think anybody was going to really read this extra long post. You know, sometimes you see it, you're like, and I'm not reading this You scroll by. But people actually took time to read it. And they reached out to me and messenger and just said, you know, you're saying everything that I'm going through, or you said everything that I'm feeling right now. I thought it was me. I thought I, I was the only one and I was scared to speak on it. Thank you for speaking on it. Thank you for saying something. And I had a friend of mine, Missy Ferguson, she emailed me and she said, Courtney, you need to write a book. I said, girl, I am not writing a book. That is not my thing. No. But one by one, other people started saying the same thing. And I said, you know what? Maybe they see something in me I don't see in myself. I said, I'm going to do it. I reached out to the service members. Everybody had a story for me. Everybody wanted to email me something. It's been a year and some change. I have not received those stories yet. I'm still waiting. So I said... I'm going to write a story about myself and my personal struggles. I'm going to be transparent and I'm going to share myself with the world. And that is how my book actually came to be written.
2: Nice. Well, it's, that's actually in the vein of what you do throughout or what you learn to do throughout the book is accept that, that kind of challenge instead of resisting it or whatever and looking at, Hey, is this an opportunity that I'm not realizing? And just the way you said that there, maybe there's something in me that I don't see. I think I I read, yeah, I read that. You, that struggle throughout the book.
3: Yes, and, I, and and a lot of people go through that, but we're so quick to just say no. We're, we're we push back. We get defensive. We put up our defense mechanisms, and we don't realize that if more than one person comes to you and says, "Hey, I see this one particular thing in you. Right. I think you can do it." Trust them, because people do not invest in any in in anything that they feel they would not get a return on. Yeah. So if you're getting that feedback. Trust them. Nobody has anything to gain by leading you down the wrong path in life.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. How long? How long did you guys have to spend away from uh, home during those times? Like you mentioned with the spells on. I have a friend that his wife is in the in the Canadian. Uh, what do we even call it up here? The Canadian uh, horses. Horses. Yeah. <laughs> or the de- yeah. I don't know if it's the department. Anyways, and she's away for months at a time. I think like he's got to be. He's alone with the kids for, uh, probably I think, three to six months or something like that. Is that similar down there?
3: It is. It's very similar. And a lot of the times before an aircraft carrier goes on deployment, and it just varies depending on the mission. Right. Um, right some right. branches end up, you know, you could go somewhere overseas for a year. Sometimes you might get stationed in that one particular area for four years or two years, depending on, you know, whatever your contract was for or whatever the mission is. But a typical deployment is six months, six, anywhere between six months to nine months. I've seen one go as long as 12 months, a whole year on a ship. So it just varies. Commonly is between six and nine months right now. So you're away, but that doesn't include like the workups. Because sometimes with the workups, you might be gone every, say like one month you're gone for 30 days. Then the next you come home for a couple of weeks, you're out again for 45 days. You come Because you're doing different trials and tests test runs in different areas of the world doing different missions before you go on a deployment. So all of that added up, yeah, it'll be about a good 18 months that you might spend away from home.
2: Right. And then there is also time where you're working, working as uh, like at the Great Lakes or whatever, where you're working in the state and close to your home. So it would just be like a normal, normal commute, like a normal job sort of thing.
3: Yes. Like right now uh, where I'm at, uh, I actually work in Virginia Beach, but I live in Chesapeake. So it's like a 20 minute drive, if oh, you yeah. take, yeah. you know, traffic. So, yeah. but Great Lakes was the Chicago area. And then I was from North Carolina. So that was a, that was a long, it was about a twelve, 13 hour drive if I wanted to drive. Oh, I, I see. And a okay. half hour flight if yeah. I wanted to fly. So,
2: oh, so you're still quite, a, you're still away from home in that case. But yeah. now I'm back yeah. in Chesapeake. Yeah, I'm, yeah.
3: I'm four yeah. hours away from home now.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. Still huh. four hours?
3: Four hours from North Carolina.
0: Yeah. yes. Huh.
2: So that's interesting. What do you, what about uh what are some of the other things that you learned in your journey? Like there's the leadership aspect. I mean, there's the yes. the the sort of the the mental health PTSD kind of thing that you yes. had to lead through and that that we could talk about. Um maybe we can touch on some of that. I mean, I really liked some of the the things you wrote about leadership. Really hit home, you know, having to be a follower first, you know, before a leader or having to to be a follower, to be a leader, not just letting that, that get to your ego. Like you really made a contrast between, you know, leaders that just now that want to control everything and have that power compared to somebody that's going to empower you and listen to you and help you be the best you can be.
3: Yeah. So being, being a leader, it it takes a lot of compassion. It takes empathy. You, in order to have people follow you as a leader, you have to be able to relate to those people that you are leading if you can't place yourself in their shoes to understand what made them, and when I say what made them, how were they raised? What were their beliefs, their morals, their values? You know, did they grow up in a privileged household? Did they grow up in a broken home? Did they grow up in an abusive home, a divorced home, a single parent home? All those factors, all those, those different entities, you know, mold a person into who they are as an adult. Because we we learn from our past. We learn from how we're raised. So if you can't, one, recognize that aspect of a person's life, you're not going to know the people that are following you. And if you don't know the people that are following you, you're not going to have the trust from them. You're not going to have the loyalty. You're not going to have the, the motivation, the drive from them to get meet whatever mission it is that you're planning for them. You know what I mean? You're not going to, they're not going to follow you anywhere. So ultimately you're not, you're not going to be a leader because you won't be leading anybody. You'll just be another person out in the world lost.
2: To resent. Yeah. You'll be another person to resent. Yeah. So it must be a challenge in that situation in the Navy where you've got, like you said, people from all different backgrounds. So it's not like in a corporation where you're leading a bunch of people that have come through this corporate channel that are all maybe similar um backgrounds or lifestyle or whatever but you you you're having to to lead this huge group of people that are all different.
3: Yes, and when I was in Great Lakes, you know, I was like a drill sergeant in boot camp, so that was very very eye-opening for me. I think that's where my leadership skills kind of really polished off between understanding and I learned what my purpose was, my purpose and my passion. So we don't ever think about walking down the street, walking by somebody Hmm, I wonder where that person is going or where they come from. Hmm, I wonder what this person has been going through in their life. We don't think about that. So then, you you know, as a drill sergeant, you're placed in front of anywhere between 60 to 105 young adults at one time. Wow. And they all come from different backgrounds. I mean, some people have never seen anybody outside of their race. Some people have never even, you know, their parents died. Somebody else, you know, was grandmother raised them, somebody else's parents were in jail, somebody else, somebody, I've had children that were homeless sleeping in cars. So having an opportunity to come into the military, they understand the importance and significance because they realize they can't afford to not become successful doing this because they have nothing to go home to. You put them all in a group and you're asking them to become best friends. Your challenge as a leader is to get them all on the same mindset get them all on the same understanding that it doesn't matter who's sleeping with who. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of household you come from. Because if this country goes to war, I need you to save my life. If this building goes up in flames, I need you to save my life. So you have to start from ground zero and practically raise these grown adults all over again, erasing any stigma, erasing any hatred, any fear, you know, any confusion that they might have grew up with because they didn't know because they were never placed in a in a situation that was outside of their comfort zone as far as being around different people from different backgrounds. So that being, you know, working in boot camp is, is a real struggle because you get people from all walks of life and you really, truly understand that everybody is different in this world. We're all the same in that we all have a struggle, but we're all different because none of our struggles are the exact same.
0: Yeah. Do you think that that like that sort of I mean, it's almost sort of sort of paradoxical that you've got to you've got to sort of put your ego aside and 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 put differences aside and get along with these people from all different walks of life uh, that you may or may not see eye to eye with. And then at the same time, you're expected to put. Once you do go overseas or into a war zone, you're expected to take all that compassion and everything and shelf that shit so you can go shoot some people. Now, do you think, yes. where does that all tie into, like, you know, the suicide problem and the mental health problem and, and all that? How, how big of a role does that play? Because the PC culture is that's coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be not making it any easier on, on, on the soldiers because, I mean, I think you're already accepting a certain level of damage, you know, we're willing yes. to break people's brains to a certain extent because so that they can go do something we're not willing to do.
3: And I'm glad you said that. Cause I don't know if it was in the news up there, um, but we actually had a situation last week where we had a sailor that went to Pearl Harbor and shot, um, shot and killed some people at Pearl Harbor. Then we had another situation down in Florida where a, a, a foreign uh, military uh, trainee, Came on base and shot and killed some people as well. And just in October, I had three friends of mine. They were E7s that all committed suicide. Wow! And at one point in my life, I contemplated suicide. I'm glad I'm still here. And I tell people, it, 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 I, I, I'm passionate about this because when I wrote that post in November, I actually spoke on the fact that we military... The military members are different. Our mindset is different. We are, like you said, taught to put our compassion on the back burner, so to speak. Not in layman's terms, but eventually you get to the point where if something traumatic happens, that'll provide you a day of grieving. You can take a leave of absence. However, if you are at work, we still got a mission to complete. Wipe your face off. Let's go. We got to go. So after a while, that becomes muscle memory. So anything that in normal society, in civilian world, that would affect you and make you emotional, you learn how to say, you know what? Let me wipe my tears. It's okay. And you keep going. Meanwhile, if you have a family, if you have a spouse, girlfriend, brother, whatever, significant other, they're looking at you like, why are you not emotional? Oh, my gosh. You're so cold hearted. You don't understand. You don't love me. You don't care. And it's like, no, we don't have time for this. Stop crying. Pick up the pieces. Let's go. <laughs> And we're, we're trained like that. And that's our mental capacity. So we don't know how to stop, slow down, and show emotion. We don't know how to stop, slow down, and try to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes unless you're already a compassionate, empathetic person. And that is our struggle. So with that comes in a leader aspect, we suppress our emotions so much to include the stress levels that we have in our life. Because you got to think about it, right? Leadership sometimes, in my my where I'm at in my career, is middle management. So you have the pressures of your leaders up top coming down, saying, "Hey, you to follow. I'm setting X, Y, and Z policy. Make sure everybody is adhering to these policies." Meanwhile, you're enforcing these policies down, and you're tracking everybody beneath you, all your junior personnel, trying to lead them. You're stuck in the middle between a rock and a hard place. So you're pressured by both sides. Then you go home. You got pressures at home as well, whether, you know, you're scared because you might be overweight, whether you're about to go through a divorce, a custody battle, you're behind on your bills, your family members are sick, whatever the case may be. And we come to work. We don't speak about it because if you come to work, you're supposed to be a leader. You're supposed to be able to handle everything. The one time you show emotion or the one time, uh, you know, you're, you're sad and now you look weak and who wants to have a weak leader? Nobody. So we don't say anything. If you have a weak leader, maybe you don't need this position anymore. I need to replace you with somebody a little bit stronger so you don't want to lose your job so you don't say anything. And we keep suppressing, suppressing, suppressing to the point that the cup overflows and we figure we can't handle it anymore because it becomes too much and we ultimately commit suicide. And a lot of the times with the suicide, people say, oh, it's the chain of command. It's the leadership. It's the job. No, it's a lot of personal battles that people have that they're not speaking about or asking for help for. Because they don't want to be shamed, judged, criticized, or talked about. So we have to get to a point where it's okay, no matter what, to a certain point, there will be no repercussions if you do say, hey, raise my hand, I need to take a knee because I'm stressed, I'm tired, I need to step back for a second and get myself together.
2: Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. We could We could use that as a culture.
0: let alone in the military. It just seems like it's just like cramming all the crazy demands, but it seems like it's exaggerated. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like fucking just hyper exaggerating and an already increasing. So, so
2: you, you help people through that personally, but is there something that you, you guys have not a policy necessarily, but is there something that you do as a organization to help people
3: through that? Yes. So the military has, they have wonderful resources. They're free. We have doctors, psychologists, um, psychiatrists. We have everything available to us. The issue is it's not enough. Right. There's not enough. So the backlog becomes ginormous, waiting for an appointment, trying to get an appointment. On top of that, when you are that backlog, and, and, and I'm setting myself aside from the military. Now I'm putting on my civilian thought process here. If I'm a civilian, this is this is a coming from Courtney Catrill, my opinion. If I'm a civilian and I am backlogged with say I got 20 appointments whole month, I don't know how many I really have. I'm just guesstimating. If I'm becoming way down, I'm just trying to get you in and get you out. Get you in and get you out. Get you in and get you right, out. Right, right, right. I'm not really paying attention to what you're really going what's going on in your life. I'm not really putting myself in your shoes to understand where you're coming from. And again, if you can't relate to what I'm saying, all you're gonna do is give me some medication to say, okay, here's your medicine. Let it put you to sleep at night to stop making you think so your mind to relax and go on about your life. But that's not helping me with my problem. You're putting a band-aid over it and it's not working, you know, and and it's and it's sad. But we have a lot of resources. Suicide hotlines, counseling sessions. We have a lot of things, but again, it's a personal choice if somebody really wants to go and get that help. And a lot of times they're not because of the shame and being talked about and all that stuff so they just I don't want to burden nobody let me keep it to myself you know what I'm just going to take myself out I can't do it no more
2: <laughs> so it seems like a, a cultural challenge in there that to keep everything bottled in or whatever is there anything you do personally with your groups or that other people do to sort of subtly and stealthily allow people to open up
3: well I know when I see people at work and, and my, they can't stand me when I do this I'm like come on at yeah. work so if I see somebody walking through the the hallways and I know they're not themselves, I pay attention to people, and I have this thing where it's like I can, I, I say I can feel your energy, I can feel when you're off, I know when something's wrong, yeah. and so I will literally like come up to somebody and just go, what's wrong with you? And they'll look at me and they're like, I'm fine. I'm like, no, you're not. And they're like, oh my god, how do you know? And so I'll pull them, I'll pull them aside, and and what's going on? Are you good? And I'll talk to them. And I don't, if they don't want to open up, I don't push. Because a lot of times when you're pushing people to open up, you're pushing them closed. Yeah. So I'll let, I'll just say, Hey, you know what? I don't think that you're the only one that has been through anything in life. And I'll share a story with them. uh, If it relates to whatever they're going through or what I think they might be going through, I'll share a story of my own with them to let them know that I'm transparent. I have nothing to hide. We're all human. And it's not just you going through things. We all have situations. Yeah. So I talking to them um, for myself if they need to take a day off, okay, let me know you need a personal day. I'd rather you take a personal day, then come to work and do something crazy. Yeah, so yeah. if they need a day off, I'll give them a day off too. So
2: what do you attribute that to? Intuition? Like I it think does so. it does seem a little supernatural the way you I mean you you talk about one story in your book where you you know you sent something in somebody and you were right.
3: And so, yes, yeah, and I just yeah. and that can I share the story?
2: Yeah, sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah.
3: So uh, April of this year. Well, actually, the whole situation... Oh, yeah, that was quite
2: recent, right? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It was April. It was just wow. this year, a couple of months back. Wow. And, and it, the situation really began in February of this year, dealing with um, a young man. Uh, he was infatuated with a young girl at work, and I'm the only female uh, E7 or E7 above there. So I they normally come to me for all the female issues, and they asked me for my help with the situation. So I talked to the female, and she told me that you know the, the, the guy was pretty much infatuated with her. She didn't want nothing to do with him. He didn't understand the word no, whatever the case may be. So I actually had a counseling session with this young man and I was trying to figure out what was going on with him. It was myself and two other uh people that were in leadership roles. And they were speaking to him and it was my first time really talking to him. But it was just something about him. It, I don't know if it was his body language, if it was his attitude, but he really didn't have an attitude. He was a very quiet, soft-spoken young man. But... When they stopped this to get my input, the only thing I could tell him was, I don't it's something about you that I don't like. I don't like you. I said, it's nothing personal. I don't know why. I said "But there is something about you that you have going on and you have not dealt with that you have brought with you to the military. And he only been in for maybe a year, but it was just something about this guy that just he he was it was off. He was off. His vibe was off with me. And I let it be known. So the young man, he started crying and he said, well, I want to I want to speak to my chief. His chief who was in the room said, you know, I've offered you to come and speak to me, but you have it. OK, we'll talk. So I told his chief, I said, Cole, you need to talk to him. I said, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Talk to him. Follow up. Figure out what's going on with him. Just help him. He needs help. To this day, don't know what was bothering him. I never went back to ask him. I just knew something was wrong with him. So, fast forward, he's still pursuing this young lady. Uh, we tried to get him out of the command so that we were in, sent him away temporarily while we try to figure out how to handle the situation. While that was going on, he got a, a, a driving under the influence while a driving while intoxicated ticket. He got, you know, a um, it was like a, a while or I forgot what it is like when they just start getting out of hand, when they get drunk and del- just crazy. And disorderly. disorderly. Yeah. There you go, drunk is his orally um, we conduct. So he had that. <laughs> he had a couple of things that were stacked up on him. And to him, nothing was his fault. It was always somebody else's fault. It was the young female's fault. You know, and it just, it was like, this guy, something's wrong with him. So we gave him, a, we gave him a chance. And ultimately, it came down to April, the, on Friday, April the 5th, driving into work, I received a phone call from one of the sailors at work. She was frantic. And she said, we have an active shooter. Whatever you do, do not pull into the parking lot. And I was like, what are you talking about, active shooter? Who's going to come on a military installation and just start shooting up the place? Like, nobody does that. You sure it wasn't a backfire from a car? No. It was the same guy that we did have problems with before. And my, my first reaction, the only reaction I had, I asked, I said, where is the young lady that he was with? And she said, I don't know. I saw her on the ground. And that's all she could tell mm. me. And my heart sunk. I think I stopped breathing. I called my wife at work. She's trying to calm me down. By this time, my phone is just lighting up with just phone calls from everybody, including all the way out in California. What's going on? What's going on? They, The young man decided that morning, you know, he'd had enough. We were getting ready to process him out of the Navy. So he came to work that morning. He waited for this young girl to, to, to pull up to work in her car. He got in her car with, with the, the the gun She pushed her into the passenger seat. She looked down and she saw it. She had enough sense to say, oh, my God, what in the world? Saw the door was unlocked and she jumped out of the car. When she did that, he jumped out as well. Chased her through the parking lot. And speaking to her, she said, I didn't want to go through the gate to come into work because if I did, he probably would have shot and killed somebody. She said, I just took one. I just I I didn't want him to hurt nobody else. I just rather have been the one. Get shot, and he shot her three times. The only three reason why times, she survived, wow! Three times. The only reason why she survived was because he put a tourniquet on her leg and told her, "I don't want to kill you. I just want to make you feel the pain that you have caused me." So by the time military police show up, base police show up, he's shooting his weapon up in the air. They shot and killed him point blank range in the head. Now you have a young twenty seven year old male that's deceased over something so trivial and now the parents are going to want to know the family's going to want to know what happened why did my child die and we don't have the answers we don't know we have no idea why and the young lady she is doing wonderful today she is back at work she is she makes light of the situation saying she's kevlar tough you know (laughs) just she makes a lot of you know and i'm just like oh my goodness you're so funny but You know, I don't know if that's just a cover up from what she's going through or if she is truly, truly okay. It's only time with Yeah. yeah. But that that guy, uh, it break. It broke me. and And being in a leadership position, that was the lowest I ever felt because that female, I had just had a one on one conversation with her the week prior. And my exact words to her were your military is your family. Your military family is your family away from family. My job is to protect you when your family is not around. So if something happens, you need to let me know so we can stop it in advance. And she looked at me and said, "Singer chief, I will be okay. He does not scare me. And I said, okay. Wow. And then the following week he shot her and wow. it, it took a long time. I'm just now writing this book, help me uh, kind of get through it, thinking about it, but uh, it caused a lot of emotional, emotional stress with me. And, myself i've been going to mental health because that was just it 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 weighed me down i'm doing a lot better now but it it was a real real traumatic situation for me dealing with that yeah wow
2: so do you want to switch gears a little bit to more of the uh lgbtq uh area there because how was that uh, going through the navy you know as a as a lesbian how was it uh that were you did you see a change in how that was handled through the last 20 years that kind of stuff um was the don't ask, don't tell, you know, was that difficult or was it helpful? Some of those questions. Well, in the
3: questions. beginning it was, it was terrible. Yeah. Cause I was, I was like 20 nothing years old and <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like, okay, I think I'm gay, but am I really oh, gay?
2: Oh, right. Like, right. right. Cause like, at the time, you know? yeah. At the time you weren't really, yeah. Right.
3: Exactly. And I didn't know who to talk to. <clears> to I couldn't trust anybody because don't ask, don't tell. I would have put, been put out the military if anybody would have found out. And you don't know who to trust with your, you know, your, your most woo, secret. So, I, and I struggled with that. So I did what the, I thought the world wanted me to do. I got married to a guy and, you know, tried to <laughs> live that normal American life or whatever. And it was like, no, I was not happy. And it was in the beginning, it was a struggle. It was really, it was really struggle to be that young and have no direction and nobody to, <clears throat> excuse me, guide me. And I'm trying to figure this out by myself. I felt I was sinking. I felt like I was I was sinking so fast. And I, you know, five years I spent with this one guy, and I and I wasted his time. I wasted his life. He could, that was five years. He could have been with somebody that was truly in love with him. But you know, me being selfish, I didn't know how to come out and and live in my truth or be who wow. I truly was. And it's terrible. I tell people don't do that because you don't know the domino effect that. Hiding who you truly are has on people and their lives and, you know, what's meant for you. But in the military, it's funny. So 2011, when they finally just kind of got rid of the band, everybody was like, watch it. What's going to happen next? Oh, my God. Are they going to be like falling out of the sky? Are they going to come out of the bushes? And people were paranoid. But nothing changed because we'd been here the whole entire time. Nothing changed. Now, the only thing that changed is that when I had a conversation with somebody, I didn't have to say, Oh, my roommate. Oh, my best
2: friend. "Right, right."
3: Oh, my friend who's a girl, but it was my girlfriend. You know, I didn't have to pitter patter around the bush. I could just be like, Hey, my girlfriend or Hey, my wife. Yeah, That's the only thing that really changed. But a lot of the older generation leaders were the ones that were terrified because they didn't realize that we don't care. It's them that, that worry about things that they shouldn't worry about. Because again, I always go back to if something happens and I'm in a war, I need you to save my life. I'm not going to ask you who you slept with last night. I don't give a damn. Save my life so I can go back home.
2: (laughs) When did that change? The don't ask. Two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yes. I always
0: thought it was like a throwback to the days when it was only dudes in the military, and they figured they could keep out the like inter-soldier mingling that way.
3: (laughs) Well, you know what? We have submarines that were all males, so. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you, that's the way I always thought of it is that they, they figured, you know, if they if they did it that way Then they wouldn't have anybody sleeping with each other Out on out on the war thing
3: It don't matter When we pull in a port, people will find ways and Oh, yeah, like, I, I said, imagine A hundred men go down and fifty couples come up I don't know why they say <laughs> it's so terrible But well, even but... On, the, on the carriers, you know, they will find a way I mean, they these kids are genius They will find a way to get their needs met however it may be. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, it's not that serious, but it does happen regardless though.
2: So. Yeah. Yeah. It we seems take like all the, that
0: stuff a little too seriously, you know?
2: It, yeah. Well, it seems yes. like that's the place where merit is really what is going to drive, uh, you know, promotion and leadership uh, p- uh, opportunities and all that. I mean, like you said, you have, you, you're people are relying on you, you know? So th- that, that kind of stuff must get pushed aside, hopefully, you know, to,
3: Exactly, you know, and, and and I always preach that. Even so, last year they asked me to be a guest speaker for my base. For uh, we celebrate Met June is our LGBTQ X Y Z alphabet month, um, and they asked me to be the guest speaker. And I and I put that in my speech. I said, you know, we need to stop worrying about what other people are always doing that's what throws us off. We cannot be on top of our game, on top of, you know, success in our life because we're so focused and we, we give our energy to things that don't matter to us. And I always tell people, you know, you cursed a minute ago, Somebody used this language, forgive me. But um, I always tell people, you know, what somebody else eats does not make you shit. So why are you always consumed with what they have going on? And, you know, and I tell you, if you're, well, you're in the swim lane and you're swimming, and you are not focused on what lies ahead of you, the wall that you have to touch to turn around and come back to the finish line. Because if you're not paying attention to what you have going on in your life and you're focused on the person that's next to you, you're going to slow down and everybody around you is going to win. And you're trying to figure out why. Stop worrying about other people. Focus on you. Do what you have to do for you. That's all life is. But we spend too much time on the negative, too much energy on It doesn't matter instead of worrying about the things that do matter and things that will make us successful in life.
2: Yep. Yeah. I remember that you you wrapped that up at the end of your book nicely with that. as it was
0: great. It's like stuck we're stuck in this weird spot where we need to we gotta worry about what they're eating because that's the only way we can make sure we're sure that we're doing the right thing. We're doing the same thing everybody else is.
3: I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. No, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was some That's other like, a while I went to the military so I go back home and I'm like everybody's doing the same thing I'm glad I got in that, that situation
2: <laughs> there was some other great lessons uh, like leading or you know opportunities through failure I think which were a really important part for me reading your book you know like using failures and not not letting that get you down but but coming through it maybe you can touch on that a little bit and using that as yes. an opportunity I mean that seemed like a pretty important part of your journey
3: Yes. So, I'll, you know, I tell people that uh, how you handle failure, how you handle a stressful situation, a lot of the times defines your character, so to speak. You could either let it drag you down and prove to people, you know, what a lot of people will probably say, oh, you know, we knew you weren't built for this. You're not good at this. Oh, you're just like, you just what I thought you were going to be nothing, whatever. Or you can take that, use it as a lesson and a stepping stone to get ahead. So when I was in Great Lakes, and I failed my physical fitness test. That set me back because I was going, oh, my goodness. I had been like a perfect 4.0 this whole entire time. This one hiccup, this one hiccup. And I am this cannot be real. But I couldn't blame nobody but myself. You know, I'm, I'm feeding my face like nobody's force feeding me. It's me. So I had to be like, OK, Courtney, you get your crap together. And it was I was it was more of a self-disappointment than anything else that kind of that that Saddened me. I was like, I was disappointed in myself. How did I get myself to this point? And having a friend, a mentor who told me, you know, pull your head out your ass, stop crying. Okay, I'm gonna give you this one day to figure it out, get out your system. But tomorrow, I need you to start grinding. I need you to get back out here and lead these sailors. I need you to be the leader that you're supposed to be. I need you to do what you need to do. Don't let nobody see you like this because if they, if you show them that you're weak, all they're gonna do is keep poking at your weak spots. You got this, you can do it. And I was like, okay. I got it, I can do it. So I come back to work and I and I just remembered that. You know what? It is what it was. I can't fix it. I just gotta do better. And that's what I did. I, you know, I put my head down and I just kept moving forward. Anything they needed me to do, I did it. I'd go home and and cry and drink, but you know, I come to work, I'm doing I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it led me to being selected to go to a, a higher leadership position. It led me to be to be selected to go to a leadership school. I was able to, you know, lead a whole. So when you become a, a chief at E7 in the Navy, I think we're the only branch of service that does a six week uh, indoctrination course for chiefs. It's six weeks. Uh, it is it's crazy. And you have people that are selected to lead that six week course. And I was one of the ones that got selected to lead this course for like, I think it might have been like 70 some chief selects no. uh, who were selected to become chiefs, you know, and all because I didn't let that one situation weigh me down. I got it. I was resilient. I said, you know what, what do I need to do to bounce back? And that's what I did. I had to bounce back. You know, I it you, you can't let it weigh you down. And I was able to to adapt and overcome from that.
0: So how do you walk that line? Because a lot of people would go into that and they can take that personal disappointment and sort of transfer that into a personal shame and now they're or not good somebody. enough and now they're not loving themselves Yeah,
2: we're blaming other yeah, people most i of mean the time yes. that'll transition
0: into shame or blame my fucking girlfriend's cooking me these fucking cheesy dogs and that's her fault or you know or it's my fault and i'm shaming myself for that and that's not helping me either because you need that self-love to really you know get the best out of yourself in my you opinion.
3: Are- You have to be be okay with failure. And I think a lot of the times, like right now, we don't teach that failure is okay. We don't teach that, you know, you can come back after you fall. I tell people it's only a failure when you fall and refuse to get back up. If you get back up, it was a lesson learned and you moved on. It's not a failure. But we don't teach that failure is okay. We're handing out trophies to the entire softball team. We're handing out trophies to all the pee wee football kids. No, it's if you fall, it's okay. Get up, brush it off, come back harder, come back stronger. But you, yeah, you have to kind of be, in my opinion, already be a strong-minded person to understand that, or have strong, influential friends surrounding a village, a family, something that could instill that in you. Because some, I think we, we have, we all have a little bit of it in us. But if nobody is around us to say yes, you can still do it, then it's kind of like, well, man, maybe I can't do it because nobody's giving me that extra push. So I was lucky to have people to give me that extra push to say, yeah, you're right. Let me get off my ass and go out here and do the hell I'm supposed to be doing instead of sitting at home feeling sorry for myself because I, I had to accept the fact that it was my fault. If you don't ever accept the fact it's your fault, nobody made you, you woke up consciously every day and made decisions in your life to do whatever it was that made you fail, You know, you know, then you're never going to be that person to say, Okay, I mean, I get myself together. You will blame everybody else for your for your downfall.
0: That's a good way to look at it: is looking at it as a fault instead of a limitation.
3: Yes, it is not a limitation.
0: Yeah, it's just a, a step you got to get over. You got to take another runner Because it's like all the successful people have failed at a bunch of shit over and over. and you know, no one just nails it the first time.
3: Never, people, you know, Graham nails that's it the first time. The guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ball
0: hockey, he nails it every time. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But you don't, you know. Like people, people think success happens overnight. They think that, yeah, like you said, people who are successful, they never have a mistake. Yeah, they do. Everybody's human. Everybody's gonna have a mistake and hiccup at least one time. It's just how you're dealing with it. You know, you don't have to share it with the world. You recognize it, fix it, and move on. You don't have to dwell on it. You don't have to share it on social media to all your friends and put everybody in your business. You know, learn learn the lesson that is in that if there is one in it. You know, try to find out the lesson in it and just and just pick up the pieces and keep moving. You can't, you don't, there's no time for shame. Life is not a practice. This is the real game. You only get one. So every day you spend sulking, every day you spend in the bed, every day you spend being depressed, you know, it's it's moments that you are losing when you can be better in yourself that yeah. you're not going to get. And I had, I had to realize that.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, yeah, you could like, graduate high school and like get a nice little job managing the local McDonald's and you might never fail in your life. You just
3: retire exactly. at McDonald's. <laughs> there you go. Just keep moving up the chain, go to the corporate ladder, I guess.
2: <laughs> so what can you explain the title and and how you came to that and what that means at a deeper level that unapologetically favored?
3: Yeah, so unapologetically favored again, I was at boot camp. Every boot camp just changed my life. So, when I was uh at boot camp, I had a leader that was he was a good guy. I Love this guy to death, still love him to, to this day. And I people have two different hats. You always have your work hat, then you have your home hat. So as a leader, he he was good. But it was just this one particular moment that's that stuck out with me where we had a African-American female who was a leader as well in the Navy. And to to the African-American females to see her in this position, we were kind of like enamored. We were like, oh wow, look at you doing, you better do that, girl, you know. So we kind of clung to her. Or we were just amazed by her accomplishments. So she attracted a lot of attention. And she came down one day. I'm lucky to be friends with her to this day. I'm lucky to be, you know, a friend of hers. And she came down and did a visit. I had a potluck at my house where a lot of my friends came over. We had girls night, wine, food, you name it. We got tipsy. We had music. We enjoyed our night. It was a girls night. So she decided to post pictures on Facebook. I don't. I don't post everything on Facebook because I don't think everything should be shared with the world like that. But because of who she was, she posted it on Facebook and everybody saw it. I get to work and the the leader. He was upset about it. I forgot something about. It. He was upset about it, and but instead of saying something to us about it, he kind of had a meltdown, so to speak, um, in one of our meetings, and it and it bothered me. So. I confronted him and I said, you know, I don't understand like what the problem was. I don't understand why you're upset, why you've never said anything to me. And he said, you know how how it made me feel to see a picture with all my chiefs, you know, with my boss. And I'm like, well, like, she's a friend of mine. I would never do anything to like be disloyal to you. I would never air dirty laundry out. I would never do anything, you know, to disrespect you. That's not, that's not me. But I guess it bothered him. I don't know if it was an ego thing, a leadership thing. Don't know. Whatever. So that kind of made our working relationship a little awkward, because I felt like now he was looking at me in a different light. Now he was like, you know, judging me because he was thinking that something happened that didn't happen, and I was uncomfortable. It might have just been me being insecure, but it, it bothered me. So I was getting ready to leave leave the command and come back down to Virginia, and there was a going away dinner, a lunch that we were supposed to be having, and they wanted me to come to get a gift, a going away gift. I refused. I didn't want to go. Two of my friends. Kept trying to entice me to go. I said, I don't want to go. Because I didn't want him to get up and have words to say about me if he was really not being genuine. I'd rather it just not happen. So when we we went and something happened, his phone rings, he had to walk out. And that's what led up to the part that you like where he walked out and nobody had anything to say originally. Then everybody one by one started popping up saying good things about me. And it made me feel, I was like, oh my God, I didn't know. It, it it just overwhelmed me. It made me feel better. I was like, you know what? When when what a bad a negative energy is taken out of your life, positive energy can flow in. And that's how the situation was. So before we went to the the luncheon, there was a chaplain that worked at our our, our church on the base. And my friend said, you know, I want to share with the chaplain your story. Do you mind? And I said, No, I don't mind. So they told him the story and he took off his glasses and I said, oh, my goodness, he's about to preach a a sermon to me. I'm not ready. So he takes his glasses off and he said, have you ever heard the story about Ruth? And I said, well, I went to church, but I didn't go to church that much. So I'm going to go with no. So he told me the story about Ruth. And at the end, he said, favor is not fair and favor is unapologetic. So are you mad because throughout your life you have been favored? Or are you mad because this guy who has you know made a situation awkward will not apologize for his behavior? And I said, you know what? As I started thinking about my life and how people were, you know, asking me to do things I didn't want to do. They were pushing me beyond my 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 beliefs. They were pushing me past my potential. They were putting me in positions to succeed and to win. I'm not gonna apologize for that because people saw something in me where they were like you know what if i invest in you i know you're going to make it i'm not going to apologize for the friends that i have made along the way i'm not going to apologize for being able to you know come back after a minor setback i'm not going to apologize for it and i'm like yes you know what i am favorite everybody is favorite in their own way if you are alive and well and breathing you have a job you got if you're just alive you're favorite already so Everybody is favorite, and I said, You know what? I'm just going to be unapologetically favorite, and that is how my book came about.
0: Oh, I got Long story it. Okay. long. Okay, that's, good. <laughs> that's awesome. So, how long have you been in the Navy then?
3: It has been 20 years and four months.
0: Have you seen any? Uh, so, you Navy get space, right? Any UFOs yet? USOs? Oh, Any alien seen, stories?
3: Some things. There are a couple of uh, videos out there that are uh, unclassified that are floating around where our pilots are. I have actually seen things in the air. And a lot of times they can't really speak on it because it's like classified information right now. But yeah, yeah. There are some videos out there.
2: Is there like if you did see something, would you feel comfortable reporting it to your officers?
3: Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to know, hey, is this the first time? And y'all seen this? and didn't tell us? Wow. <laughs> like, I want to know what's out there. Yeah, y'all have exactly. a thing for my... Growing up, my brother had a thing for uh, aliens and it was to the point, like he scared himself and I would wake up at like one or two o'clock in the morning and he will be in my bedroom, sleep on the floor. And I'm like, Michael, what are you doing? <laughs> I think I've seen one. It was going to, oh my goodness. He was, he was a mess. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So the, so that you wouldn't feel worried at all. The Navy's got a pretty, pretty, uh, open policy on reporting unidentified flying objects. It's not like you're the crazy one now. I
3: don't Because it's, if I've actually asked my pilots, like, have you seen things up? And they've told me, oh, yeah, they've seen things up there, but they can't speak on them, But they've seen things, right, so I right. know it's not just me. I wouldn't feel crazy because if that's the case, all of us are crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good question because well, we've think, never really yeah. talked to anybody in the Navy. I don't, I don't
0: think, think so. I have any other Navy question. questions?
2: Yeah.
3: yeah, Air Force and Navy. you've got to yeah. think about it. You're flying yeah. all day long.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Well, it's good that some of that's coming out, and and it's it's changed. It, that's part of the culture that's changing, too, is people are, you know, they've, they're have they allowed to report that stuff now. It seemed like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, it was kind of frowned upon. So, or they just wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be allowed Because people
3: are scared of the unknown. They're yeah. scared. So yeah. you don't want to mention it because you don't know. But it's like now, because people are starting to come out one by one saying, I've seen, I've experienced. Yeah. They're like, okay, maybe it's not just me. I'm not scared. It's common. Okay. Now it's, Now they're comfortable with reporting yeah.
0: it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've been at this uh, over a couple decades. Uh Any how, how was the path? Any regrets? Is there anything you'd differently if you could start it all over?
3: I would not change anything. Because if I alter anything, I might not be here talking to y'all right yeah, now. So yeah. I would keep all the heartache. I would keep the failure. I would keep the setbacks. I would keep the stress, the mental anxiety. I would keep everything the exact same way it is because I would not want to change the outcome. And I made a post one day on my Facebook page, Unapologetically Favored, that said, be careful sometimes what you ask for, because you will really get it. But you might not understand the path that you're going to have to go on in order to get whatever it was that you asked for. You might not understand, like, why all of a sudden my house burned down. Well, remember you asked for a brand new house that one time? You might have had to lose everything, but you're going to get a brand new house. Or a car or a better job. You might have went unemployed for six months to a year, but that was because you were about to get this job that you were asking for. So I was like, you know, I, I I wanted to be successful, I wanted to make an impact, I wanted to be a positive influence in people's lives. And I had to go through things in order to have a story. To share with other people, to influence them and let them know that you too can make it to where I'm at. You too can get over the hump that's placed in front of you in life.
2: Awesome. That's great. The other, the, the one other part I wanted to hear you talk about was being able to let let go of the negative aspects or negative people in your life. You know, there's a reason why uh, they're there, but at some point it's good to surround yourself by the positive people that are, um, you know. It more, is. Yeah.
3: You know, I, I, negative energy begets negative energy. You know, even like when you go to work and you walk in an office, or you're in an office and and your your manager, the boss, a leader, a coworker comes in and they have an attitude. All of a sudden, you have an attitude, and you don't even know why. They just mess up your whole vibe and mess up your day, and you're like, "Why am I so angry?" I you don't know why. You know, if somebody comes in in a positive, you know, I'm early in the morning, I'm cheery because I feel like that's how. If you start your day that way, me too. You're a little bit more relaxed. You know, you're. Your, your your day seems to go a little bit better, you know. Turn the music up. Let's have fun. It might be five o'clock in the morning, but we're gonna make it through. It's gonna be a good day. That vibe, that energy sets the course. So whatever you surround yourself with, that's how you're gonna you're you're gonna form. That's how you're gonna mold. And I I can't do negative energy. I will cut it off so quick because it's not healthy. You spend so much time having mental anguish over things again that don't matter. If it's not going to matter in five years, why are you spending five minutes on it? Let it go. If it's not going to add to your life, why are you wasting a day worrying about it? Let it go. We, we have to understand that, you know, neg- negativity is not, is not a good thing. And uh, I forgot what the saying was. It was like, uh, oh, my goodness, I can't even think of it right now. But just. Yeah, the negative, I, I can't, I I, I can't. It, it. I learned that coming up. And after I started surrounding myself with positive people, positive influences, I realized positive things were happening in my life. Right. But if you keep negative stuff in your life, you're going to draw that negative energy every time.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's a choice. It's a bigger choice than people think. And it, I mean, that's not 100% of the time I always get shit. I was like, oh, yeah, just positive and everything's fine. It's, no, it's not like that. But I'm I'm still saying that 95% of that shit is bullshit and there's tragedy there's real tragedy in life five percent of that shit is tragedy and it happens to people and it sucks but the other 95 percent because that guy cut you off or because you're a couple bucks short of this or you know i mean most of the time you can slough that off and still keep smiling it's like this guy in the morning you know you try and get him to watch a funny video but he's got stuff to do
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, like, I can't I cannot do, you know, Misery Loves Company. That was the yeah. saying I was trying to yeah, think only Misery loves company. Drama Queens create yeah. drama. I cannot.
2: Whew, yeah, you get sucked in though. It's hard. You get sucked in sometimes. It's, I've been uh, in a oh, drama you know, yeah. for yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Like, I can't do reality TV shows. That it drives me nuts. And the way that people are addicted to this stuff, I'm like, how, <laughs> how do you my wife loves court TV drama. She loves oh. watching like court TV. And I'm like, what? Like, so terrible.
0: Oh, you got to cancel the cable, Courtney. You got to cancel that cable.
3: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> cancel that cable. That's the number one piece of advice I have for everyone: Cancel your cable and the world will start to be a safer place, a nicer place.
3: Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way.
0: Well, we're about, uh, I guess we about wrap it up there. Yeah, uh, do, by, you have, huh? do you have uh Are you on the social medias anyway? You mentioned the Facebook page a couple of times. Do you want to give that out again or the Twitter and the website URL? It'll all be in the show notes, but most of the people don't check the show notes.
3: (laughs) Yes. So you can follow me on my webpage, unapologeticallyfavored.com. You can purchase my book on amazon.com, Barnes and Noble's books, a million. Hell, just Google unapologetically favorite and everything in the world will pop up. Awesome. promise.
2: Well, it's a good book. I really enjoyed it. And thanks, thanks for doing that, and thanks for coming on.
3: Yeah, thanks okay. for coming
0: on the show. Good luck. Uh, I love the I love the mission. I like it. I wish you the best of luck, and uh, we'll send thanks. you some good vibes for your journey.
3: I appreciate it. It was fun hanging out with y'all. Got to All do right.
0: it again. Thanks. Have a good night, Courtney. Bye. Bye. Now is a chat. Courtney Cottrell, what would you think, buddy? Oh,
2: yeah. <clears throat> yeah, very well-spoken. Yeah. I could tell she was going to be because of the book. Cause all the, all the, you know, working her way up in these leadership positions, I could tell that by the, and it wasn't in an ego egoic way, but the feedback she was getting from her peers and her supervisors, you could tell she was just a great speaker and a good leader. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff in there that could apply to business or to even like, what was I going to say about the uh, heterosexual couples even like the, the lessons she learned for not being her authentic self in that relationship any, it could apply to anybody who's in a relationship. Oh, the and authentic self thing is like, huge. Like, just, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors by not being your authentic self in a relationship. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Big thanks to Courtney for coming on the show. little step out of the norm, but we enjoyed it. It was a yeah. nice one. Of course, big thanks to Julie over at uh, Pleasantly Surprised Publishing or whatever it is. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. She always sends us the authors in the books. So we appreciate that. Uh, support the show, grandamerica.ca support. We still don't do commercials or corporate overlord bullshit. We just rely on the couple of bucks that a few of you guys find it in your kind hearts to send us. So if you can, grandamerica.ca support. Head over this week, sign up for a monthly, do a one-time donation. It's cold. Uh, Christmas is coming. We just bought a new computer, a bunch of stuff we can't afford. Uh, grandamerica.ca support. Help us get back in the black. Uh, what else? Do all the stuff in the show notes. Review the show. Share the show. Tell your friends about this motherfucker. Email Graham. Email Graham. Spam Graham. Sign people up for the newsletter. Be kind to each other. Love one another. Spread some good vibes. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.
1: Ah. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists. The people are many, they preen themselves. Oh, how they navel gaze. Somewhere over that hill, the gloomy skies cease to exist. I'm climbing that hill. I pass by and pity the poor Sisyphus. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. I'm strolling down a static electric avenue. The people are predictable. They say good morning. How do you do? when out of nowhere a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me and in doing so knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me and it's black as tar, ugly as ever and of no apology this angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology together we're a seraphim dream forever young with no chronology A thousand years from now, we'll be written into ancient mythology. We go into hyperdrive and turn into a beam of light. Can you tell me about the view up there? It's sparkling remarkably, the air is crystal clear. Well please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place? A little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul Take a look at the big old smile on my face my angel says dance with me and your life will never ever ever be dull I go into hyperdrive turn into a beam of light 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 turn into a beam of light.